The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This is Being Bumo, a podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring, but also willing to share with us how it really is. Because as we all know, parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Being Bumo. I'm your host, Christelle Lim, and the co-founder of Bumo and Bumo Brain Virtual School, aka BVS. You guys have no idea how excited I am about today's episode. It's with the one and only Kelly Levesque. It's probably safe to say she is one of the most influential nutritionists and wellness experts of our times. She's a celebrity health coach. She has worked with everyone you could think of from Jessica Alba, Jennifer Garner, Emmy Rossum, Chelsea Handler, and Molly Sims, to name a few. It's safe to say that she knows her stuff and she pretty much broke everything down for me, exactly what we should be feeding our kids, the nutrients that they need, the stuff that they actually don't need that we actually think that they need, to even sharing a plan for our picky eaters like my little girls. She also shares vital information for pregnant women, expecting mamas, and women that are going through postpartum. And this is information that I wish I knew when I was going through it. We also talk about why she does not believe in dieting and what actually works. It was a conversation that I was so inspired by and hope you will too. Enjoy. Hey. Hi, Kelly. How's it going? Very good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited for today. I am so excited that we're finally doing this. I remember when I first heard about you, you were like this kind of like this God that like everyone was talking about like in my circle. And I was like, who is this woman? Like I need to meet her. And then I was at Molly Sims house. We were like filming some videos and then she was even talking to me about you. And then you like walked right in. So like when you walked in, I was like, that's the Kelly that everyone's talking about. (laughs) I remember that. And then uh, I was like, oh my gosh, that's like the most famous Instagram YouTuber (laughs) in the world. (laughs) But I had to definitely play it cool because I was like, yeah, I, I was a little starstruck because I felt like between our kind of mutual friends from Jessica Alba, Molly, like everyone, they, they had the world to say about you. So I'm excited that we're doing this. Um, I have, I personally have so many questions for you, but before we jump into it, I always like to start off with a little icebreaker to get started. So since you're currently pregnant, what is the one thing that you miss the most about your pre-pregnancy life? And is there something that you specifically miss eating and doing? Yes. um, I would say I really miss sushi. It's funny because I would feel comfortable eating sushi based on like the chances of foodborne illnesses. Um, You know, most foodborne illnesses actually uh, recorded in the United States are on like pre-cut produce, like pre-cut cantaloupe and fruit and, um, you know, leafy greens and peanut butters. And none of those are off. None of those are off, like on the off list for pregnant people. But um yeah. Anyways, I miss sushi. My husband's really conservative about how I eat and how I move when I'm pregnant. He thinks I am a risk taker and I overdo it. <laughs> so 
I can't wait to get like moving back at the pace that I used to move at and work out um, and get really sweaty. It's funny. I got a Peloton over COVID and he walked in one day and I was out of the saddle and he's like, no, 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 the baby can't bounce like that. Like sit your butt in the saddle. I was like, babe, I did not get this to beach cruise, (laughs) you know, know? it's funny. So I just, you know, he's a sweetheart and he's a worry wart and I, um, you know, I'm happy to oblige during my pregnancy, but when I, when it's all said and done, I'm like, let's do this. (laughs) So sweating, working out and eating sushi. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that because I definitely can relate to that. You already have one kid, right? Yeah. So Sebastian will be two um, in October. Oh, amazing. So, wow. You're going to have two under two. Right about there. Yeah. So they're going to be 25 months apart. Yeah. You are brave. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got started a little bit later because I was building my business for mm. so long. I think, um, you know, Chris and I have been together since 2007 and we got married in 2012. And I think every single year after 2012, our parents were like, where are the babies? Yeah. Where are the babies? <laughs> And we were both just kind of like going for it. So, <laughs> well, let's talk about your business a little bit because you are, I mean, I think that you are one of the most famous nutritionists of our times, you know, just from what you built online to your client list. Did you always think that this was what you were going to do growing up? Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how it all started? Yeah, sure. Um, so I went to USC for undergrad and I was actually a business finance major under in undergrad. And then my junior year called my dad in tears because I had taken my science, like pre-med science courses. They were like my science requirements for my business degree and said, I should be pre-med. I should be kinesiology. I should be like working in this space, not in real estate and finance. And he was like, that's fine, honey. Well, if you want to pay for a few extra years, you go ahead and do that. Otherwise, <laughs> like you're just graduating. So I ended up adding extra courses to get a concentration in nature of human health and disease because it's my mm-hmm. favorite course. I'd always loved health and nutrition, but I really never thought it could be a career. Um, so I actually had an eight-year career in corporate America for Fortune 500 companies like Stryker, Johnson & Johnson, Hologic. I worked in cancer and genetics oh, wow. um, and specifically female health. So um, women's breast cancer, ovarian cancer. And my job relied on me being able to read PubMed research, meaning new research studies coming out about cancer, cell biology, um, metabolism, all kinds of things. And so what I ended up doing was really like understanding how to do that and then being able to fulfill my passions on the side because I understood how to go into that database and that library of research. And I could look up all the nutrition information that I loved. And I still read all the nutrition books that, you know, I loved. And then ultimately, you know, after talking about it and annoying my friends about nutrition for years and years, they were like, can you just go back to school and like start (laughs) a side hustle and see if this is like where you need to be. So every year I look at like programs to go back to school for nutrition. And ultimately, um, in 2012, 2011 to 2012, I went back and got my clinical degree in nutrition and started my practice. So, um, it was a side hustle until 2015 because I was managing the eight West coast States and, um, had a team under me and was like, you know, it was a career that I could have taken, I could have 
rode that ride until I retired. Like it's a phenomenal career path, but I just was so passionate about like helping people with nutrition and preventing disease versus being on the back end of it. So, um, yeah. So in 2015, I finally took my business full time and realized I went from a W2 and a 401k and a company (laughs) car to being an hourly employee who uh, was figuring out how to hustle and do things for free. And, um, you know, really collaborate with other female entrepreneurs. So it was not what I thought was going to happen, but I really just followed my passions and where I felt like there was a need. And I saw a hole for a scientific voice that could really break down the science for moms and women and, you know, just to support families to be healthier. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point because I think there are so many people out there that have kind of their nine to five or their corporate job that they need to keep because of bills and, you know, whatnot. But I love how your story seems like, even though that was not what you wanted to do, you were able to bring that experience to what you are doing now, which is science and being able to like tie nutrition and science together. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of people will ask me, like they say, you know, you're really science-based and you simplify science that we maybe don't always understand reading headlines and news articles. And, you know, most of the time people read something like, oh, turmeric's good for you. Let's start adding turmeric to our routine or matcha's good for you. We're all adding matcha now. But I like people to understand holistically, like what's happening in their body, what's happening with, you know, their biochemistry, their hormones, their metabolism, and making that a little bit more accessible for people. And I'm really thankful because a lot of young nutritionists go to school and registered dietitians and then DM me like, how do you know how to read studies? And how do you know how to decipher if they're, you know, good study design and they have significant Mm. outcomes and, um, And that was because of an eight-year career in a field that was cancer, you know? And so it's, it really, like my past career experience really informed how I run my business and how I research and how I make it, you know, calculated advice, you know, how I give calculated advice to clients. I want to introduce you to something that everybody needs in their life, which is Adderall and compliments, which is also the name of my podcast. I'm Annabelle, and every week I want you to come kiki with me and my hilarious friends as we talk about everything from reality TV to dating fails, mental health. I promise it will make you laugh, and most importantly, it will make you feel so much better about your own life. So come join me and my baby stripper voice every Friday on iTunes, Spotify, and follow me on Instagram at Annabelle Zisisto and give me the greatest gift of all, which is validation. That's incredible. And that is kind of your approach, right, to nutrition, which is more about the science of human nutrition. Can you kind of explain that a little bit more and how that's different than general nutrition? Yeah, you know, I think um, what's really important for me is to create a lifestyle for clients. I think, you know, there are a number of diets out on the market that work. Like you can look at paleo and keto and someone maybe they're, they're a little more lifestyle now in um, 2020, like keto, vegetarian, vegan, paleo. They're not as much of the Atkins South Beach style diet. <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> that we all used to kind of like yeah, <laughs> read the book and then be like, all right, where's the PDF of what I can eat? Exactly. Um, but when you rip and pull back on what are they really explaining? The science is a lot of the same. And so my goal for my clients is for them to understand blood sugar, understand hunger hormones and what actually keeps them full and satisfied for more than, you know, a half hour, 
or an hour at a time, but really elongates their blood sugar curve to make them feel full. And it's really important for me that they know what their body needs to get from food. So what's essential from the foods that they're eating, essential amino acids from protein, essential fatty acids from fat. And what is our microbiome or like our gut health need? And it needs fiber and phytochemicals or antioxidants. And so I tried to simplify that by um, stripping away the diet and instead just saying like, hey, if you focus on what your body needs at every meal and you just make an effort to put those things on your plate, you don't have to overthink the other things. Like mm. if you decided to have a glass of wine or you wanted to have a cookie, like this is not the time to beat ourselves up over the little ads that we're bringing onto our plate or onto the table for our family. It's really about is the foundation of wellness and nutrition on the table first? And if it is, if you're serving up everything that, that your body and your baby's body and your husband's body or whoever you're serving is what we need, then the rest is sort of ancillary and you can really just, you start to crowd out your plate without the stress of like, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. Mm. Those type of um, plans aren't really, they're not really focused on nutrient density and whole foods. They're really, they're really restrictive and they don't last very long. And so I'm looking for longevity with clients and I'm looking for sustainability in a lifestyle that they can do forever until they're like, 95 years old. Yeah. I mean, I just remember trying all sorts of diets to, you know, like very short lived and they never, ever last. So, I mean, this is not like a question that I was, I thought I was going to ask you, but I'm going to ask you this. Do you believe in like the paleo diets and, you know, eating, like trying out these diets? Like, do you preach that? Do you believe in it? No, you know, what I like to do is I, I, when I sit down with clients, my, you know, my consultations go pretty much the same every time. It's like, what are your goals? And a lot of times they have goals for energy, weight loss, hormones, skin, you name it. And then it may be have a disease state. And then the next is like, tell me day in the life of you. And then we make small tweaks for big benefit. And mm. a lot of times someone will come to me and they say, I am paleo, I am keto, I mm. am vegan. And the goal for me is to kind of strip away, like, why do you feel safe in that space? Because sometimes they feel safe there. Sometimes they feel better. They have more energy. And we'll kind of unpack that. Like a lot yeah. of times the reason why people feel better on these lifestyle diets is because for some reason that's motivating them to mm. put more whole foods on their plate. Or, you know, that's like Whole30, for example. I love the premise of Whole30. I love the idea of eating whole foods. Mm. Um, but the idea that if you decided to have a brownie that you would break your Whole30 and need to start over the next uh, month first is really just a yo-yo diet mentality. And what it what it promotes is that when you have that one bite of dessert or you have that one thing that's not approved Whole30, that that binge happens, that, mm. that oh, I failed, like I need to start over. And I am about coaching my clients that the next meal is an opportunity to bring like nourishing, abundant, like goodness onto your plate. And it isn't that you are in a place now where you're like, well, I'm going to have to start over on Monday. So I'll just have a really great weekend with food <laughs> and then start over, you know? So, um, it really, that's why I like really, really, really preach light structure because it isn't this perfectionism and food is something that we all, when things are not going great, we all try to control. It's mm. like a real easy, safe place to be like, well, business isn't going great. 
My kids are freaking out because they're homeschooling. This and this and this is happening. I'm just gonna, you know, and maybe I'm just gonna count calories or start whole 30 or like, uh, you know, have a perfect day and food journal it. And and that is a really easy place to have control. So it's something that a lot of people do. And what I like to do is kind of pull back on that and say, look, like what we consider good and perfect is that you're putting what your body needs on your plate at each meal. And that might be, all right, you're having, um, we just are looking for some proteins and fat, some like fiber and greens or vegetables, leafy, leafy greens. So you're like, okay, I'm having like an egg scramble with spinach and some avocado. And that is a huge win. Now, if mm. someone were to look at that plate and go like, oh, now I'm adding a piece of gluten-free toast and I'm having this like really fun latte, someone might look at that, that whole plate again and say, I'm a really bad person. I shouldn't have had the bread and I shouldn't have had the sugar uh. in my coffee. And then it becomes a spiral. And so what I want people to do is look at that plate and be like, okay, like I gave my body what it needed for this meal. Check, check, check. High five myself. Let that dopamine rush hit your brain. That's the positive thing. And it can be a win. And then we can do it again at the next meal versus beat ourselves up and, and cause destruction in our It seems like a lot of it is a mental thing too. Like it's so just mental. Yeah. That is so crazy. So since this is a parenting podcast, let's talk about kids and nutrition. This is something that I personally struggle with that I've been dying to ask you. My kids are the pickiest eaters. And I know it's a very common thing that parents go through. Um, usually it's like you have one picky eater and you have one great eater. That's what I'm kind of going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also obviously a mom. I personally would love to know what does your child eat in a typical day? Yeah, that's a great question. A couple of things I want to note just for parents listening that babies actually develop their taste buds and they're tasting your food in utero. And so the more variety that you can have while you're pregnant from bitter to sweet to umami flavors, um, the more open their palates will be to those foods. And then the second tip I would have is to check out a book called Super Nutrition for Babies. And that's about food introduction. I think that's really important that we know that in the first few months that we're introducing foods, they're really creating those preferences. And so a lot of the first foods that we introduce to babies are like sweet potatoes, pears, carrots. These are all like sweet, starchy vegetables. Mm. Um, And so they actually prefer sweet and starchy when you do that. And so this book and, um, you know, a few others that I recommend actually talk about introducing egg yolks first and avocado Mm. first and stewed meat and, you know, mashed fish and sauerkraut juice and really opening up their palate so that when you do start serving up veggies, that they don't just prefer the fruit and sweet and starchy because as humans eating those sweet and starchy foods, we get a massive hit of dopamine where, you know, we know carbs taste good. <laughs> like yeah. that's just the reality of it. And kids can get become really um, pigeonholed and picky because they know that stuff tastes good. And then they start to have opinions. So just first and foremost, if someone's just starting out, like laying down the foundation and taking advantage of those windows of time is really important. That's so good to know. I yeah. I talked to five years ago. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's okay because um, our t- you know our what, our preferences can evolve and mm. really change as long as we're introducing and trying those foods again. So that's another tip: is like when you have really picky eaters it's really a lot easier not to fight and to sort of give in and just be like, here you go. Here's the pizza that you wanted or the quesadilla or the rice or whatever it is. Um, But I would always say like you serve up the meal, you choose, you know, when and what, and they choose how much. And Mm. so that's like a really 
a really great thing to do is like you, you dictate meal times and you serve up what you want to serve up and, and they may not eat the broccoli and they may ditch the Brussels sprouts, but like serving it up and giving them an opportunity and showing them that you're eating it is really important to Mm -hmm. informing their food choices. But all of this to say, Sebastian is, I'm, I'm lucky Sebastian is a good eater. I do think that the introduction of foods that I, um, you know, the way that I introduced foods really supported that. Um, Mm -hmm. I still know that he loves pasta and fruit and crackers and chips more than anything else that he's ever had. Um, and he's a normal kid. So he's had those things. I mean, I Insta storied yesterday, my husband, there's a pop, like a really cute little organic popsicle stand at this beach in Laguna that we're living by right now. And, uh, he came back and he had pink all over his face. And I was like, what happened? And he's like, he had a strawberry lemonade popsicle at like 11 in the morning. And he was like running around this uh, beach house that we're in right now and just off the walls. And it's true. Like the food will affect their behavior. So, you know, he is a normal kid. He does have a variety of foods, sugar and carbohydrates included, but I always just think about it, how I think about it for my clients. We sit down and I think, okay, He needs protein for his growing body. Like protein and fat are integral in cell development, neurological development, cognitive development. So when you think about it, when a baby is born in their first two years of life, um, we look at mother's breast milk and we actually find that choline stays high until that entire period of time of someone's Mm. breastfeeding. And it's because it's so important for brain development. So choline is in eggs and DHA is in eggs. That's a long chain omega-3. And so I think about all the nutrients, obviously, but to simplify it, you can just think protein, fat, fiber, and greens. So Mm. for a breakfast, for example, Mash has a few food allergies based on, uh, unfortunately, he had like a little rough, bumpy ride into the world. Um, Mm. And so he was giving antibiotics like right when he was born, which really affected his gut health. But that to say, if your child can have eggs, I think eggs, avocado, like that eggs are a great source of protein. Avocado is a great source of fat. And then it's, you know, vegetables and, you know, fiber and greens that might be a little bit more difficult for kids, but I would start just like putting a few pieces of spinach into their eggs, giving it a stir, see if they eat them. Um, Mm. Bash is really open to veggies and I don't think about breakfast as breakfast. I actually will serve him up. Sometimes I'm like, here's some ground chicken and some broccoli from last night and some avocado. And so that has to do with the fact that he is allergic to eggs. If he wasn't, I'd be feeding him eggs all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He also enjoys like our Fab Four smoothie, which is smoothie formula that I created. We use for him and for most kids, I would recommend a grass-fed beef isolate protein or a grass-fed whey. Um, Grass-fed whey, those are chemical-free extraction methods or a bone broth protein. What that means is that those proteins don't require any chemicals to remove protein from that that original mm-hmm. source. So like if you think about whey, it's curds and whey and to make cheese and then you just dehydrate the whey and that's that's whey protein. So it's like giving your kids cheese or yogurt. So it's okay to give them a little bit of protein in their smoothies. Yeah. And if you're afraid of powders, hemp mm-hmm. hearts are a great option. Mm-hmm. And if your children eat dairy, then uh, Greek yogurt is a great option to mm-hmm. get a little more protein in there. Any nut butters or nuts. He has a little kitchen tower and he always helps with breakfast. So he'll get up in the kitchen tower and make a smoothie with me and it's a total disaster, but like he loves it. It's just a mess. Um, and But every single time he gets involved, which is something that's really important to me, he eats more. So some examples of lunch and dinner would be like any type of protein, chicken, steak, fish, you know, 
turkey. He really eats it all. Um, and then we are always constantly like going to the ecology center, which is a little, a vegetable stand, or we have a farm Tanaka farms that he'll like go and pick veggies. And, and so the more he gets involved, the more he eats, but it's always just like, okay, where's his protein? Where's his fat and where's his fiber? And so a great example would be, um, I'll do like a grass fed beef pasta with maybe like a lentil pasta, like a tolerant pasta, Mm. um, with a tomato sauce. And then I'll sneak some not necessarily sneak because you can tell there's broccoli in there, like some steamed broccoli in there or some cauliflower rice, or I'm just looking like, how can I add some veggies to that? And it's like, I know he is getting his protein, fat, fiber, and greens, but he's also getting a great source of carbs in like a low glycemic tolerant pasta, which is, you know, any type of bean pasta, like a, a lentil or a chickpea is great. Um, and then when it comes to like crackers and chips and things like that, for the most part, I would say he has his breakfast. Then he has like a fruit snack with like almond butter. So we don't do mm. any any like fruit on its own or sugar mm. on its own, carbs on its own. So we always pair with protein or fat so that it doesn't spike his blood sugar and have his, him crash. Even with fruit? Because that'll affect his, yeah, that'll affect oh. his, his blood sugar balance. So for example, if I give him a handful of a raspberries, I'll use a handful of pistachios and I'll throw them both on the little cutting board and, his, and he'll stand up in his tower and eat them at the counter. I had no idea. Yeah. So anytime you're thinking about giving your child carbohydrates, you just don't want to give them carbohydrates alone because they'll break down really fast Mm. and they'll give them lots of energy. But what happens is their blood sugar spikes and then it crashes just like adults. Mm. So what we want to do is pair either protein with that or fat with that. So maybe you're doing like sliced apple and you do a string cheese or you're doing the raspberries and you do, like I said, a handful of pistachios or maybe, you know, you're you are doing apples and almond butter, something like that, that type of a snack. And I do that with crackers too. So if he is, you know, having crackers, I may do pesto hummus or guacamole dip, and there's some crackers and there's some veggie crudite. And I'll just always look like, okay, is there a little protein or a little fat or a little fiber that I'm pairing with these carbohydrates so that he's not just having it on its own? Because what ends up happening is it really dysregulates their hunger and it affects their mood, their behavior, and their ability to concentrate and learn. So you really want to just think like anytime you're giving your kids chips, crackers, or fruit or anything that just breaks down to carbs on its own, to blood sugar on its own, then you just think, well, how can I add something that has a little protein or a little fat to this snack too? Mm, that's that's such, a great way to do it. That's actually such incredible advice because I think this is the reason why my kids, they I give them a snack and then literally 30 minutes later, they want more snacks. And I'm like, you just ate snacks. So it also probably just breaks down so easy that they're hungry again, right? Exactly. And, and they metabolize their food very quickly as kids because they're growing and they're moving and they're just on the go. And mm. so you want to think even as an adult, like, so your blood sugar curve is as an adult, if you were to have say popcorn as a snack mm. at like two in the afternoon, your blood sugar would go up for 90 minutes. And then at about the 90 minute mark, you start to crash and your body and brain actually starts to think about well, I could go for a piece of chocolate or maybe I'll have a coffee Mm. or maybe I could have some more popcorn or what's for dinner because it doesn't feel good when your blood sugar is coming down. Mm. And so you really want it to knock the spike, not to go as high. You want it to elongate and stay low. So sort of like a low flowing wave versus like a high spike and crash. Mm. Because the crash really affects our ability to learn, to concentrate. And it does for our kids too. So, you know, if your kid's 
like I said, if your kids can do eggs, I love hard boiled eggs. I love seaweed snacks. I love veggie crudités and all the dips. I think getting kids involved in like eating veggies with dips really supports them. And mm. it's like, you know, nut butters to hummuses to guacamoles and pestos and dressings, you name it, like yeah. get them involved and always serve it up. Even if you end up putting it back in a container and putting it in the fridge and you eat it later, like serve it up. I, I believe that. It, the funny thing is my daughter, my oldest daughter, Chloe, she's uh, almost six years old. She will not eat any veggies. Like if she sees a little piece of green, um, she'll be like, I don't want it. But the funny thing is with her is that ever since she was little, we introduced carrots to her, right? And she has this weird obsession with raw carrots. It can't be cooked. It just has to be hard and raw carrots. And she can eat carrots all day, just plain. And I'm like, how do you eat raw carrots when you won't eat this delicious <laughs> green meal that I cooked you, you know? Yeah. So um, for me personally, I just like kind of stick with what she's at least open to. And I don't know if carrots is a great source of nutrients, but yeah, yeah. that's been working I for mean, us. Beta carotene, you're getting her fiber, you're keeping her um, used to eating raw vegetables. Like, yeah, I mean, I think anytime there are, there are going to be times when kids just have preferences and it doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. I would find a good multivitamin to include in their life. Um, that was actually my next question is what are the most important supplements and vitamins that kids actually need? Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you what we, we use with bash. So I think, a especially if you have a picky eater, um, uh, multivitamin is really important for kids. And I realize that some kids will only do gummies. Um, but if they're down for chewables, I like Hia. It's H-I-Y-A. Um, that brand just came out and it's the proper form of methylated B vitamins. A lot of times I'll look at, you know, I'll look at containers and it's like the wrong form of B vitamins or it's the wrong amount. And you just want to be really careful at that point. It's not really worth it. So I think Haya is a great brand. And then the gummy brand that I like is the Smarty Pants brand. But um, mm. the one thing that I will say is they have an organic and then they have a, a regular. And I actually buy the regular. And this is why. The regular uses omega-3s from fish oil. And the original uses omega-3s from seed oils. And when you talk about the scientific benefits of long-chain omega-3s, they're not in seeds. So mm. when people say they get their omega-3s from flax, it's a different type of omega-3. It's not linked to brain health. It's not linked to anti-inflammation. It's actually needs to be converted to the long chain and we're really not great at it internally. So we only, we, we only convert about 5% of short chain omega-3s into long chain omega-3s. So I choose the traditional Smarty Pants because the only difference in those two brands is that they're using, the organic uses an organic seed oil as the omega-3 and you can't have an organic fish oil. So it's a fish-based omega-3, which is the long chain, which is really good for cognitive development. It gets the, your child all the DHA they need. And um, super important if they don't eat fish, if they don't eat pasture-raised eggs, if they don't eat grass-fed red meat, this would be a really important supplement to include. So an omega-3. Um, omega and most of those, yeah, those the high chewables is just your like traditional vitamins. It doesn't have the omega-3 in it, but the Smarty Pants... Um, original, not the organic, has all of the vitamins plus the omega-3s. And then the last thing that I would say is that 
vitamin D is like a steroid in the body. And um, a lot of Americans are actually deficient and kids are too. And Genexa, which is a brand that your parents should know about, is an over-the-counter company. They make a vitamin D for infants and for kids. But they also have a full line of all over-the-counter medications, meaning like acetaminophen and basically competing with Tylenol, Zyrtec for allergy, and all of those things. But what they do is they don't have any fillers, any dyes. They only Mm. have the active ingredient with organic additives. So if your child has like Bash has eczema and he'll have a flare randomly and we'll have been eating out at a restaurant and tell them like he can't have dairy or eggs. And then all of a sudden he has like a rash all over his body. So you have to give him something like that. And so for me, that like having a clean brand is really important. So Genexa would be the brand I would check out and their vitamin D is amazing. How do you spell Genexa? It's G-E-N-E-X-A. Okay. Amazing. This and they is just launched. so helpful. Oh, they yeah. just launched. They just launched their toddler line at Target. So oh, um, amazing. Yeah. So they have all of their kids over the counter medications at Target and they have a whole bunch. So yeah. And I think this is really great hearing from you because I think for someone like me and a lot of parents that are like me, they see all these options that are available and you just don't really know because everyone is trying to sell you something, right? And most of us, we look at ingredients and we're like, oh, it looks fine. But like what you just said about the uh, seed oil versus the fish oil, like that, I would have never known. Yeah. So that is so, so helpful. And I'm sure that so many parents are going to be out there running for these um, (laughs) brands that you just mentioned, because I am, I'm going to literally be going to Target after this. (laughs) That's great. You Uh, know, um, one last thing I would mention would be probiotics. mm. Yeah. So I would get your child on a probiotic. I think we get really excited about kids specific probiotics, but you can also use uh, adult strain probiotics, open a capsule and use like half a cap in um, a yogurt or put it with a little bit of juice and let them drink it. Also, if they are open to fermented foods, like if your children eat sauerkraut or kimchi, one tablespoon of sauerkraut juice has 1 trillion CFUs. So that's, you know, when people are like, oh, my probiotic has 20 billion. It's like, this has a trillion active (laughs) cultures. And like between fermented foods, like yogurt and kimchi and sauerkraut and like any fermented veggies, pickles, like whatever your kids are open to eating and trying, like get that into their diet throughout the week, because that's going to keep them regular and really support their gut microbiome. That's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure all the Koreans listening on here is like, yes, like, yeah, let's do it. Eat kimchi all day. <laughs> yeah, it's so good for you. Oh, amazing. Okay, so now let's uh, quickly shift to the conversation for parents because we talked a lot about kids' nutrition and what they need. You're obviously pregnant right now, and we have a lot of followers that are also expecting a lot of new parents, actually. What are some of the top, top, most important things uh, as far as nutrients that they should prioritize during this time? Yeah. um, So I actually just launched a pregnancy nutrition course on the web and it's really easy to access its videos in a downloadable PDF with like charts of what they should be eating and why. Um, But some of my favorite nutrients include the omega-3s. So DHA is really, really important for brain health, cognitive development of your child, IQ, all of that. And DHA is going to come from your fish, your egg intake and grass-fed pasture-raised beef. So what people think about when they think about eating healthy for pregnancy is like 
vegetables and a variety. Um, but the most nutrient dense foods that we can eat when we're pregnant are actually from protein. Um, Mm -hmm. so animal based proteins and they're not, you know, it's funny because becoming vegetarian or vegan has become really, really popular in the last few years. When we talk about like gram for gram, what you're going to get and the bioavailability of zinc, protein, iron, choline, DHA, B12, B6, all of these folate, all of these really important nutrients for neural tube development, cognitive development, IQ for your 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 child, your baby in utero, your fetus, like they need all of those nutrients and you need to get it in the most bioavailable, digestible form and protein is that form. So I would definitely recommend eating your two servings of fish a week. You know, wild salmon is a phenomenal option because it's getting you all of those omega-3s that are so great for for your baby. I think eggs are a superfood when you're pregnant. Um, pasture raised eggs are going to give you the choline and the DHA. It's a hundred milligrams of each per egg. So mm. when I'm pregnant, I at least eat like two to three eggs a day, um, which people are like, what? But I, <laughs> I want those nutrients. I prioritize getting grass fed beef um, into my diet, bison or lamb. Um, and that is not only for the iron um, and protein, but really for those B vitamins. It's one of the most easiest ways and most bioavailable ways to get B vitamins. And when you think about cellular energy, it's created by B vitamins. Mm-hmm. It's like the perfect example is anytime anyone wants to lose weight and they go to a clinic to lose weight, like some bougie LA clinic, like you're going to lose weight, they're going to give you a B complex shot, right? A lot of times they're giving you uh, like a shot of B vitamins to help fat burn. And that's because B vitamins are so integral in burning and creating energy in the body. So when you think about creating energy to make a baby, you need B12, B6, and, um, and you know, other B vitamins, including folate. So that's also really important too. If you have a prenatal, turn it around and check that you have a methylated form of folate, mm. not folic acid. Folic acid is a synthetic form of folate and it actually the absorption by close to 50% of moms is like barely even there. Oh my so, gosh. And it's so integral in, in closing the neural tube in the first 28 days. What supplement are you using right now for during this pregnancy? Yeah. So I've used a couple throughout this pregnancy. Um, I prefer like pharmaceutical grade high dose prenatals. So Metagenics I started with and now Full Circle and Seeking Health are kind of the two I switch between depending on what's in stock. Um, and then I take a DHA on top of that from Nordic Naturals, and I take a D3K2 on top of that from Now Foods. So I think what people don't realize is that you you really want all the vitamins, plus you want all those omega threes and vitamin D. So. And then how about postpartum? Because I know a lot of your clients they hire you postpartum as well to get back into shape, but also get kind of like back on track with their nutrition. What are, what are some things that you really focus and kind of subscribe to your clients when they do bring you on for postpartum? Yeah. So it really depends on if their plans are to breastfeed or not to breastfeed. Um, you know, that's a personal decision for people, but if you're breastfeeding, you know, if you jump on the internet, it's going to tell you to eat multiple times a day, have oats, have carbohydrates, get your energy stores up. But really, I always recommend that my clients use the lactation lab in Santa Monica. So that is where you can pump some breast milk into a tube, send it to the lactation lab, and they'll tell you 
um, you know, what is your calories per ounce? So you want 20 Mm. calories per ounce. And sometimes when people are under eating or their body isn't burning weight fast enough, it can be low. Um, It'll also break down your macronutrients. So it'll tell you if you're low in protein or if you're low in fat or if you're low in carbohydrates, which is really, really rare. So a lot of times people are are low in protein intake. And um, when you think about it, what happens in postpartum when people are breastfeeding is they have broken hair or brittle nails. The baby is really like sucking you of all of your life out of you. Yeah. So it's really, really, really important to continue your, taking your multivitamin, your, your, um, prenatal. And it is really important to focus on the most nutrient dense foods. So I look at it, um, at my day and I have three solid meals when I'm breastfeeding. And a lot of times I'll add a smoothie to that. So smoothie could be at breakfast or it could be in the afternoon between lunch and dinner. Um, And I really try not to be at a calorie deficit, but really try to um, balance my blood sugar and focus on the fab four because too much insulin will shut down and slow weight loss postpartum. And so it's this fine balance of like having milk supply and also getting your body back and feeling your best again without being totally depleted. So the lactation lab really helps people understand like, okay, you get your results and it says, Hey, you're low in vitamin D and you're low in protein in your breast milk. Well, that's easy. We can start adding salmon and say like, or grass fed meatballs. And you're having that at three in the afternoon, a little piece of salmon or a little you know, protein-based snack. And that's actually going to make sure that your baby's getting everything that they need and that your body is getting everything that it needs. That's crazy. I never even heard of that because that makes total sense because essentially your, your baby is drinking what you're eating through your breast milk. So if you're not eating what you need, the baby's also not getting what they need, right? Exactly. And Mm. so that um, nutrient, you're passing on nutrient deficiencies to your child based on what you're eating. And so when you're breastfeeding, you're absolutely starving. Like you're just like, you're really, really hungry, hungrier most of the time than when you were pregnant. And so it's so important to really focus on the foods that regulate hunger and protein Mm. and fat do a really good job of doing that. So, you know, eggs and avocado, um, like I said, like a little salmon, something that is like more of a fattier cut of meat that's really supportive and more nutrient dense. I want to talk about a little bit about smoothies because I think by now everyone drinks a smoothie. I know that there are good smoothies and bad smoothies. Um, can you tell us a bit more about the Fab Four and why it's everything that you need in one smoothie? And can you also give us an example of what someone might think is a good healthy smoothie? Like my husband, he literally just puts all fruit in his smoothie, and I'm like, no, no, you can't do that. And he's like, why? It's healthy. And I'm like. No, you can't. Yeah. You have to talk to Kelly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you want to think about what your body needs. And I don't think people realize it, but there is no essential need for carbohydrates, which Mm. is why people can live a carnivore keto lifestyle and be really healthy. Mm. Um, And I don't think people realize, really realize that, that like you actually, there's a process in your body called gluconeogenesis where your body takes protein and makes carbohydrates, makes Mm. glucose if it wants to. So there's no need for sugar. There's no need for carbohydrates. Does it make women feel a little bit more balanced and better and, um, gives us like an easier form of energy and men too, but we're a little bit more sensitive to that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a really amazing place for non-starchy vegetables and, you know, fruits deep in color, like blueberries and raspberries and blackberries and all that goodness. Cause there's a lot of nutrition there. But when I see someone make a smoothie, it's really easy to drink a lot of sugar. Like for example, two cups of pineapple is 28 grams of sugar. Well, 
where we're in the grocery store turning around, you know, packages being like, oh my gosh, there's more than five grams of sugar in this. I'm not buying it. And then we're serving up our kids like literally the most massive spike of blood sugar and a roller coaster of tantrums the rest of the day. Mm. So, you know, you have to realize that the way you start your day and the way your kids start your day, their day really affects their mood. And like I said, their ability to concentrate, focus and learn. So when you think about a smoothie, you want to think about what is essential. What does scientific literature and our understanding of biology, what do we know we need to get from our food? Well, we need to get protein we specifically call amino acids from our food. So great sources of protein in a smoothie would be a clean protein powder. Um, I, I came out with a grass-fed uh, beef protein, but there, you know, there is bone broth proteins, there's whey proteins. Um, I tend to steer clear of any plant-based proteins for children based on the fact that plants are really good at sucking heavy metals from the ground. Mm. So you'll see a lot of like consumer reports on rice crackers and puffs and baby food being contaminated with mercury, lead, and arsenic. Um, And a lot of times that's because those plants are just really good at sucking heavy metals from the soil. If you were to test, you know, sweet potatoes and squash at your farmer's market, there would be trace amounts of heavy metals in those too. So I don't want people to freak out and be like, oh my gosh, heavy metals. I mean, it's, it's in plants. It's in the soil. So it's in the plants that we're eating. But when we're eating these processed highly refined plants in the form of like powders we're adding to our smoothies or rice, flour, crackers, and puffs and things that we're giving to our kids. Um, You're just going to increase their heavy metal content and load. And so it's not something that I would recommend. If you wanted to do a plant-based protein for kids or a plant-based, if you were vegetarian, like I said, a dairy, like a a Greek yogurt would be a great ad. But if you Mm. didn't do dairy for your kids, like hemp hearts and nut butters or nuts into a smoothie would give you some protein. So we're looking for a source of protein. And Mm -hmm. then on top of that, you're looking for a source of fat. So healthy fats in a smoothie would be almond butters, peanut butters, coconut yogurt, avocados. Avocados make for a really thick smoothie. They're delicious. And what fat does is it slows down the digestion of that meal. So it's lasting longer in their body. They're not Mm -hmm. getting through it in 30 minutes or 45 minutes looking at you for their next snack, they feel full and satisfied with really nourishing fiber rich fats. So Mm. you have your protein, you have your fat, then you want to think about fiber. So you can add chia or flax or frozen cauliflower rice, or sneak in the tops of your celery. If you've bought a head of celery and you're chopping the leaves off and you just want to take those celery stalks for snacks, but you have those leftovers, try to be, you know, zero waste. Another great option is if you buy broccoli for your family and you're roasting it, the stem of broccoli, you can slice into like one inch thick rounds, throw it in your freezer and just throw a couple of those into your smoothie. Mm -hmm. So you're looking fiber is like, how are we adding fiber from veggies or fiber from seeds into our smoothie? And then leafy greens is like a handful of spinach. Um, And if you have a chocolate like for example, Bash loves the chocolate protein that I created and um, I love it too, but it's really easy to throw a handful of spinach in there. Or if I'm using vanilla and I have berries in there, then I can throw spinach in there and they don't, he doesn't know, you know, or yeah. he's adding it, he knows, but he'll drink it, you yeah. know? So, so we build the basics of the, the of your fat for smoothie is a whole food smoothie, but it's also all of the things that your body needs, no matter what lifestyle you live, vegan, vegetarian to paleo, you know, keto, whatever it is. So you're getting everything your body needs. And then you think about the fruit and we keep the fruit in a serving size. So it's a fourth to a half a cup of frozen fruit from anything from, you know, bananas to berries, to mango, to whatever it is that you want that flavor to be, but a little goes a long way and you want to be careful not to overdo it. I think 
what your husband's doing is what the majority of Americans are doing. <laughs> you know, they, they put their blender, you know, they get the craft for their blender and they throw the fruit in. Maybe they do a handful of spinach. If they're feeling healthy, a tablespoon of peanut butter, some nut milk, they blend it up and they're like, yeah. Um, but really they would be better off sitting down to three or four eggs with some spinach and avocado and some hot sauce and even a piece of toast because they're getting way less of blood sugar spike from Mm. that type of a meal versus a smoothie. So I saw this happening back in 2011, 2012, created the fab for smoothie recipe or the formula just so that people could look at their blender and go, okay, here's some liquid. Now, what am I going to use for protein? What am I going to use for fat? What am I using for fiber? How am I adding something deep in color or leafy, you know, to this smoothie? And then if you're like, okay, cool, I'm going to add some fruit on top. Great. And I'm like the biggest fan of using a smoothie to taste like dessert to hit those cravings. So I have recipes like cookies and cream, chocolate almond butter, snickerdoodle. Oh my God. You have the most. I have your book book and I've made some delicious smoothie dessert drinks. And I just like how you make us view smoothies in like, a different light because it's not just a just a ton of fruit, but it's more like use fruit as kind of your topping, right? Like the ending, and then don't use it as your base because most people, I feel like, they use it as their base and the core of it. So exactly, it's all helpful. about just like flipping it on its head. Awesome. Well, we are coming towards the end of this. So I'm going to ask you one last question, and then we're going to kind of go into our rapid fire questions that I have for you. You know, during this time of the pandemic, it's, I mean, I can only imagine how challenging it has been for you being pregnant during this time. As you know, there are just some people, especially parents that are stressed out during these times, being at home with their kids, having to work, having to homeschool, all of that. And I just feel like I'm just hearing more and more people talk about exhaustion, depletion, depression. And it just seems to be the norm now for parents, honestly. Do you have any lifestyle kind of tips or things that they could do at home if they're feeling exhausted and depleted, whether it be, you know, physically doing something or eating something or mentally practicing something? Do you have any tips there? Yeah, I have one for each one of those, actually. Um, So research tells us, and this is really, really amazing stuff, that within three minutes of physical activity, your muscles are releasing anti-inflammatory chemicals called myokines, and they actually neutralize depressive and anxious chemicals that are inflammatory in the brain. So when people say that working out is better than most of the SSRIs out on the market or the antidepressants, um, anti-anxiety medications, we're actually seeing that to be chemically true and that our bodies have the pharmaceutical ability to neutralize that stress Mm. and anxiety. So it's a really hard habit to get into, especially when you're feeling down and out. And I would say you have to know that it's literally just three minutes. So if you can say, I am going to move my body for 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, instead of setting these really outrageous goals of like, I'm going to do a boot camp and I'm going to sign up for two weeks of X, Y, and Z. It's, you know, find something way to get motivated, whether that's like, joining a a Zoom class or doing like a little mini like downloadable workout guide. It's minutes before you're getting these chemicals to your brain and neutralizing those stress and inflammatory chemicals. So do that, get moving. It's, it can be, if you feel like you have anxiety about moving, like do it first thing in the morning, set your alarm 15 minutes before your kids get up, 
throw a yoga mat on the floor. And if you just start with foam rolling, for example, you're moving your body, stretching mm. a few yoga poses. It doesn't have to be, like I said, your boot camp. a little bit of movement goes a long way. Mm. So that's the movement piece. The food piece, the same goes here. The more that we are riding a blood sugar roller coaster, the meaning we're eating more processed cellular, acellular carbohydrates, we're eating those processed foods, those white white foods like breads and pastas and cookies and cakes, you ride that blood sugar roller coaster up and down, the higher you spike and the harder you crash, mm. um, the more anxious you and irritable you feel. So mm. you have more obsessive thoughts about food. You have um, more propensity to eat late night, more propensity to eat more throughout the day. And that creates more stress and anxiety because our bodies are changing during the pandemic and people are putting on weight and they're not feeling great and they feel sort of lost. So mm the best way to support blood sugar balance is to start your day. Meaning whenever you decide to have breakfast, I don't care if that's six in the morning or 11 in the morning, whenever you break your fast, make sure that you're getting 20 to 30 grams of protein in because Mm. protein does the best job of shutting down hunger hormones, regulating your blood sugar and decreasing all of those obsessive thoughts about food. So that's going to set you up for success in the rest of your day without having to try as hard as you would if you were trying to count calories or weigh your food or do macros or follow a plan. Like, Just focus on one meal at a time. And if anything, I would just look and say, like, for the next two weeks, I'm just going to focus on breakfast. I'm going to have 20 to 30 grams of protein. I'm just going to see how I eat the rest of the day. Mm. I promise you that works. It's like one of the best tricks I use with all of my clients. Um, And then for like those anxious thoughts, I, I practice something called positivity tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a journal coming out with HarperCollins in December to do this. And what it is, is at the end of each day, you just write three things down, very specific things that you're grateful for. Like today, for example, I might be, I might write down, like, I really am so excited that I got to tape that podcast and give all of these um, parenting advice tips and like really support my community. I'm so like, hopeful that people are finding this helpful. It's like really jazzed me up and it was fun. You know, it's not just like, I'm thankful for my health and my house and my food, mm-hmm. you know, it You're is getting like super specific, get super specific about mm. it. It could be, wow, I really loved the taste of my coffee this morning. And I had two minutes to myself without my kids. Can you believe <laughs> it? Yahoo. Like it could be like a taste of something, uh, you know, noticing something when you're driving, like big or small, it doesn't matter. And what it starts to do, this practice does by writing these things down at the end of the day is that you naturally start to notice the positive more often. You're editing in your brain to find the good. And I think we're in a state in 2020 with a pandemic, Black Lives Matters, election, like homeschooling, add on, add on, add on, add on, add on. People are having financial difficulties. Like, you know, like you said, anxiety, depression, like it's heavy. This year is really, really heavy. And so we need to find the levity and we need to find the light. And we do that by like really, really focusing on, and it's a, it's a form of gratitude, but it's a really specific positivity tracking. And it's like, it it can't be the same. You cannot repeat, find something new. And these things will start to pop out to you and it changes your mindset a lot. Amazing. And you said that you're coming out with a journal this? Yeah. So the journal is up for pre-order on Amazon, but it's, it's how I coach my clients to journal with food too, is Mm. we don't write down the brownie. We don't write down the glass of wine. It's like, did I have protein, fat and fiber at breakfast? Check, Mm. check, check. I had eggs or I had a protein shake, you know, at lunch, maybe you went to an amazing Italian restaurant, but you ordered the side of broccoli. 
check mm-hmm. that off. Like awesome. it's, it's creating that positivity and momentum around like just adding and nourishing yeah. versus like deprivation and restriction. Amazing. So to close it off here, um, I just want to ask you some rapid fire questions, whatever that comes first to mind. Um, they don't have to be long. So the first one is the one product you cannot live without. My Vitamix. <laughs> I didn't knew you were going to say that. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> okay. And uh, they don't pay me to say that. <laughs> they should though. <laughs> they definitely should. Um, hardest thing about parenting? I'm saying no. The best thing about parenting? The unconditional love. If there is one advice, one thing you could tell all parents, specifically moms, what would that be? I think this too will pass is a really important thing to think and remember. Um, I like to use the term lately, like Bash has been really sweet lately or Bash hasn't hasn't been sleeping lately. Like it's not going to happen forever. It's just like, this is a finite amount of time and we're dealing with something or we're celebrating something and not getting stuck in, in labeling them and making it part of who they are as it's just like, this is just happening right now. I love that. I love that. I'm going to start incorporating that. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for this. This was personally very helpful for me, um, especially the kid portion part. And also it's going to be helpful for so many of our community out there. Um, where can they find you where I know that you have some products that you're coming out with and you know, on Instagram, can you tell us everything about where we could find you and support you? Yeah, sure. That's great. So, uh, my website is kellylevec.com. All of my social handles are at be well by Kelly and that's K E L L Y. And, um, my books of body love series. So body love, body love every day and the body love journal. They're all on Amazon target where all books are sold. Awesome. And you also have a podcast, right? And my podcast, the Be yes. by Kelly podcast. Yes. Yeah. I, to have I, you on. Yes. I went in real deep. Um, it's like, you, you just have such amazing guests on there. So thank you for doing that and just being such a source of inspiration and resource for all of us. Oh, my pleasure. It was so, so much fun. Well, good luck with the rest of your pregnancy and I'll see you soon, hopefully. Okay. Thanks, babe. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you liked it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It really is the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more of us, head over to our Instagram and follow us there at Bumo Parent. And to learn more about Bumo Brain Virtual School, follow us at Bumo Brain or head over to BumoBrain.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys next week.